Hey, I'm back. So um, it gives me a kind of a great pleasure today to introduce uh, Mr. Tiki Baba, who all you know as uh, one of the most amazing NFL players ever to play for the Giants and play for the NFL, period. But what you might not know is that besides being a former Giant and NFL player, is that he's also an amazing father of six children. And he graduated from the University of Virginia with a degree in science uh, with a concentration in management information systems. So he is one of the most phenomenal tech guys that you might ever get to meet and also get a wealth of knowledge of football from. He is known for really two innovative uh, startups. Uh, the first is something called Tuzio Executive Club, which is a great marketing club that helps put um, business people and all that in touch with various influences in different markets. And they're currently in five different markets throughout the US. And he's also the creator and founder of uh, a new startup called Julius, which is an influencer platform that connects brands with the right social influences. Um, so please uh, join me in introducing uh, Mr. Tiki Baba and also Mr. Gordon Stewart from uh, Hua Toyota. Thank you. <laughs> well, welcome to Birmingham. You sit first. Oh, okay. It's only the polite go. thing to do. <laughs> Thank you very much. This is Tiki Barber. <laughs> Stop. He wasn't actually at the airport to pick me up, by the way. I know. No, I, I had that timing wrong, but... Uh, <laughs> my, my flight got canceled last night, but I do have to think... Does that Bly, mean you're Rondé? Bly Gravely, who was back here backstage, who actually did pick me up, who lives in Birmingham. He got up at 5 o'clock this morning to drive to Atlanta uh, to get me and bring me back here. So thank you, Bly. Way to go. Appreciate you. So obviously, he's got a fascinating football story, and I'd love to explore that with you. <laughs> and um, we'll do that. But also, he's got a fascinating and unique uh, story about how he translated uh, into uh, the tech industry in particular, too, and there's some outstanding achievements there as well that I look forward to exploring with you. Good deal. Yeah. I've, I don't uh, get to sing? What's that? I don't get to sing? Oh, no, there would be, you could sing if I you like want. I like to sing. All right. Let, but as, as, as the tech guy, by the way, for yeah. Toyota, uh -huh. can you please, please put the video system in the uh, Sienna with mm -hmm. the bench? Because oh, I have a yeah. Sienna. Can't get it with the bench. Well, you, I have yeah. to. I have six kids. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, what, what am I going to do? Well, I'm there's, delighted to know you drive a with, Sienna. With my wife now, there's, 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 there's one man out if I don't have the, the bench. So, <laughs> I mean. Well, you have how many kids you're trying to jam in there? Six. I'm telling you. Six and kids. One's and one's a baby. So oh, I okay. can't sit on the lap. Yeah. Well, don't they all stare at their devices anyway? Uh, my 15 and 13-year-olds do. My 7-year-olds, they want to steal Brooklyn, who is my 3-year-old's device. And my 1-year-old's facing backwards, so she can't say anything. Oh, yeah, I get it. That's a lot of kids. Yeah, it is. Well, I'm kind of nervous, but I can't help but think, remember when you were with the Giants? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, it's, it's, that it's, was awesome. It's gotten to the point where... <laughs> It was awesome, except I retired and they won a Super Bowl. So, oh, well, you can't, you can't, <laughs> I mean, can't how, how awesome is that? <laughs> well, I was just going through some of my notes here. and uh, I, I don't have enough note cards to identify all of his achievements, but I wrote some of them down. I, I think there's at least 12 franchise records with the Giants. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, but, you're right. Uh, you, uh, most yards in a game, period. Just most yards yeah. in a game. Uh, at highest average yards per carry. Uh, most games over 200 yards. Yeah, this is for the Giants, but not for the league. O.J. Simpson and for the Adrian Peterson have that for the league. Right. I'm third the, on that list. Which is incredible. <laughs> which is incredible. All-time best Giant ever. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Longest touchdown run. 95 uh, yards against the Oakland Raiders. I saw that, by the that way. That was pretty cool. I'm a Detroit Lions fan, though. I'm sorry. I, what's wrong with me? I'm sorry. I, don't, I, I, I got to change teams. Are most people in here Alabama or Auburn, by the way? Roll Tide or War Eagle? Okay, so you guys won't you you guys won't like the one touchdown the one record that I don't have, which is the career touchdown mark for the New York Giants. I have 55. Brandon Jacobs, who started at Auburn, has 50, 56. But he got lied to and over recruited because Ronnie Brown and Cadillac Williams were also there the same year that he came in, and he had to transfer. <laughs> so Roll Tide. Good Lord. 
I'm just kidding. War Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> this is a divided house. Hey, right man, you got to play right. both sides, right? That's true. It's like we're politician true. up here or something. That's right. So I'm going over all your uh, Giants achievements. And uh -huh. the, the list is long, but you've also done some amazing things too. Eight children's books. Yeah. An autobiography. You've got a workout program. I think you still mind. Right? <laughs> uh, you were a Today Show correspondent. You hosted the Golden Globes. You've been in Broadway plays. You got a radio show, Tiki and Turney, on CBS Sports Radio. You have six kids. The thing I can't understand is that we're about the same age, but you look great, and I look like Colonel Sanders. I, you know what? <laughs> well, I had to spend my whole life being an athlete. Uh, uh, that's the difference. Got, uh, a football got in the way of me turning into... I, I won't even go. Uh, but then when I, retired, <laughs> when I retired, I got involved in marathons. And so I've run six marathons, three New York, uh, one Boston, one out in Big Sur, California, and one in Jerusalem. Uh, wow. Israel, which was amazing. And the beauty of, of running the marathons, because I'm not a great marathoner. My PR is 428. But I do it for a cause. And the cause, you guys just listened to. Uh, Julian Maha, who introduced me uh, in Culture City, is what I run for. So uh, we raise a lot of money for important things, including inclusion um, and making a difference. That's how I stay in shape. Well, that's amazing. That's what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> Very good. What's, uh, by the way, what's scarier, having uh, 12, 300-pound guys running straight at you when you're trying to return a punt mm -hmm. or being on stage with me right now? Well, if, if there were 12 guys on a football field trying to tackle uh, me. Uh, I assume uh, there's some traitors. And, and, and not 11. <laughs> um, that would probably be scary. Um, I figure the coach is mad at you. But you're terrifying me, I think. Yeah, I think so. All right. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> So I um, wanted to talk about your uh, childhood and mm -hmm. growing up in Virginia. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of you may not know, but this guy was a valedictorian of his high school and uh, went to UVA and had extreme honors there, too, all while being distracted by <laughs> playing football and setting records. And you actually set the long jump record, too, didn't I you? I did. I did. It subsequently was broken. That was my first jump, too, by the way, in college. Really? I jumped 24-8, but then I got big. Right? You have to make choices in life. And as a second year at UVA, my coach, my football coach came to me and said, you need to put on about 15 pounds. Otherwise, at 172 or three, you're not going to be uh, uh, big enough to be a, a starter. And so I had to make a choice. Do I pursue my first dream, which was to go to the Olympics as a jumper, or try to play football in college? And I chose the latter. And I think it worked out for me. It's a good me. choice. Yeah, it yeah. worked out. Growing up, you had an identical twin brother, yeah. obviously, Rondé. I still and have an identical twin brother. You still brother. do. <laughs> and I, I'd like to make sure you're not Rondé, by the way. You're Tiki, right? I am. Okay, I, am. I just want to make sure. Uh, uh, that must have been extraordinary. You guys were teammates yeah. from Pee Wee? All the way through. All Look, the way I, through? We grew up with a, in a single-parent um, household, just mm -hmm. my mom. My mom and dad were divorced when we were very young. My dad was a football star, interestingly, at Virginia Tech, um, oh. and just fell into some hard ways, and they split, and... So it was just her, my mom, Geraldine Barber, raising us. And whenever we got into sports, and sometimes they do these lottery systems or draft-type systems for kids, my mom said, if my boys are on separate teams, they're not playing because I'm not going to two practices. Wow. And so we were always together, um, all the way from fifth, sixth grade through the time we graduated from the University of Virginia. And uh, people always ask, did you guys have a rivalry? Right? Did you fight? Uh, did you, did you, did you um, compete against each other? We fought until we started hurting each other, uh, but we competed against each other's successes, right? I, I was a jumper, as you said, mm -hmm. in, in track and field. He was a hurdler. In wrestling, he wrestled 155. Know, I wrestled 160. Um, and we played football. He was on the defensive side. I was on the offensive side. So we were competing, but not directly. And I think our individual successes were what drove us, really, all the way through our professional careers, too. Uh, we still have a, a very close and tight relationship. So um, I, I consider him a, a, an inspiration, uh, but also a catalyst for my success in life. You know, I, probably your mom had something to do with it, too. Oh, I yeah. My mom, my mom was an ass kicker. Like, yeah. like, literally, she'd kick our ass if we got yeah. in trouble. Um, but she also, um, she drove us to be the best at everything that we did. Mm -hmm. it, it, the, the, what I heard from her every time we got ready to start a sport was, you could walk down those stairs right there, break your ankle, and never play a sport again. 
So you better be the best student as well as the best athlete. Uh, and, I, and I always took that to heart. And so I always wanted to make straight A's. And then once we graduated from high school and went off to the University of Virginia, she went back uh, to graduate school to get her master's in business administration. And I remember every week she'd be calling me saying, hey, I'm making straight A's. What are you guys doing in college? You know, uh, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm bettering myself. What are you guys doing up at UVA? But that was, that was just the nature of our family, right? Yeah. It, was, it was always competitive, but not in a malicious way, uh, but a motivational way. That's amazing. Yeah, she's That's... my hero, my mom. Kudos to your mom. Thank you. I appreciate it. She did pretty good. Yeah, she did. <laughs> so you're playing with your brother. You guys, by the way, were called the Twin Terrors. Is that right? No, maybe my mom called us the Twin Terrors. Oh, because you're Bob. We were the Barbers of Seaville. <laughs> The Barbers of Seville, yeah. I like that. Charlottesville. UVA's yeah. in Charlottesville, so yeah. we're the Barbers of Seville. You get Charlottesville's that? awesome. Get I do that? get it. All right, cool. I, get, I get it. I was Just at Lynchburg sure. down the street. <laughs> I, I couldn't get into Charlottesville. Uh, it's, all so, good. Uh, yeah. it's all good. We partied I'm with you guys. Slow. We partied with you guys a little bit. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I, had a, I was in a band, and we played at Charlottesville a few times. You remember a band yeah. called Riff Raff, do you? I do not. I wouldn't think so. Was, uh, we played a lot of Leonard Skinner. Yeah, the problem was Dave Matthews was there at the time I was Tell there. Tell me about so. it. Yep. yep. I think he got lost in the mix a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he kind of dominated the, the marketplace for uh -huh. that. But, you know, thinking of uh, um, your experience at UVA, too, uh -huh. and, uh, and Wahoo, by the way. Wahoo-wa. Wahoo-wa, by Wahoo the way. Wahoo-wa. Yeah, okay. It's not quite Roll Tide or... War no. Eagle, but Wahoo Wah. I'm from Detroit originally, so I'm trying to figure out all this stuff. <laughs> but, uh, you, uh, you had incredible achievements there, but um, you had mentioned to me once when we talked previously, you were affected when you were 11, you saw uh, the, the Challenger disaster. Yeah, yeah. No, so obviously I spent the majority of my professional career, actually not even the majority now, because I've been retired as long as I played, but the first part of my professional career as an athlete and when I left and got into tech, um, some people ask, well, where did that come from? Where did your passion come from? And I say it's, it's, it has been developing since I was 10, 11 years old. Mm -hmm. So I saw the Challenger blow up like some people my age did as well when you were in school. Mm -hmm. I remember sitting in school in front of a television and watching this disaster happen. And all our teachers ran out of the room and everyone was crying. And it, it, it became this indelible mark on my, on my mind. Um, and it also coincided with space camps happening, right? And so all of my friends would go to space camps, but we couldn't afford it. So it was just a dream for me, right, to, to, to think about space and, and space exploration. And so from that point on, I wanted to be an astronaut. And so I had to make a, a, de a decision when I decided to go to school, where can I get a great engineering degree and become an astronaut? Mm -hmm. And so I had a couple of choices. Michigan was one, but it, was, it snowed out when we went up there. Tell me about um, uh, Virginia Tech was another, but that was when my mom and dad went. I didn't want to go there. And so we, and I ended up at the University of Virginia, and I fell in love with computers, right? I learned how to type. Uh, some of the young folks in here won't, know, really won't, won't believe, but I learned how to type on a typewriter. And... Um, going to UVA in my first engineering class and sitting in front of a computer and being able to program something, just, it blew my mind. Um, eventually, I left the e-school and went to the business school, McIntyre School of Commerce at UVA, and concentrated in man management information systems. So I was designing databases and learning how to program in HTML, and I was fascinated by it. And up until my junior year, my third year at UVA, I wanted to work for Microsoft or Oracle, um, but then I got good at football. And so football kind of got in the way of this oh, original dream that I had had. Mm -hmm. um, and so when it came back around many years later, um, I jumped at it and I found the right partner uh, and we were able to start a business that's gone through many iterations. It's called Thusio um, mm -hmm. and it's now Julius Works and Thusio Executive Club. Yeah, let's talk about the chronology of that. So yeah. you uh, retired from football and... Uh, Got a bunch of money, right? <laughs> and you got to figure out what to do with it. Yeah, but I also got divorced, so I gave away a bunch of money. You gave away a bunch of money. <laughs> now I need to make some. <laughs> and uh, uh, your instinct is to look towards the tech world? Yeah, well, it, it started in the media world. Yeah. And um, uh, I worked for the Today Show as a correspondent. I got to cover an Olympics, even though I never went, uh, as, a, as, a, as an athlete. And I, I love that business. And I'm still in that, that world as a, right. a co-host of a CBS sports radio show. Uh, but it, it wasn't really what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. um, 
In fact, my first endeavor when I left from the Giants was an affordable housing partnership with Steve Ross, who owns the Dolphins. Really? And we were looking at tax credit equities and how to finance these projects and, and buying them and, and doing all these cool things in the housing world. You know, you retire from a sport, get into real estate, right? Right. Um, but that was right around 2008, 2009. It was the wrong time. Bad timing. Um, timing yeah. was horrible. Yeah. Uh, and timing has been a, it's, it's, it's a big part of my life. But... Um, <laughs> When, when, that, when that endeavor failed, um, uh, I was, I was kind of lost. Right? I was going through a divorce. I was, uh, I was not sure of where my next steps in life would be. Uh, I tried to come back to the NFL. The lockout happened, timing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I got a, a great call from a friend of mine who I graduated from UVA. His name was Rick Gerson. And he said, what are you doing trying to come back to the NFL? You're 33 years old, 34 years old. You're not going to be successful. I said, no, I feel great, man. I'm strong. I'm lifting weights again. I left some on the table. I can do this. He said, forget all of that. Go meet my brother, a guy named Mark Gerson. We started a big company called GLG. You guys will figure it out. And so we went, we went to a cigar club on, in, in Midtown in New York, Club Macanudo, which we still go to every Tuesday. Uh, to this date, as a as a as a as a founders stalkers uh, take <laughs> exactly a, a, a founders <laughs> lunch, and we just started talking about the problems that athletes face when they retire, mm-hmm. right? They still have a brand, somewhat. They have countless stories and experiences to share with consumers, but there's a lack of a connectivity. The agents go away because they don't they no longer can make money off of a guy who's five or six, seven, ten years removed that wasn't a super A-lister. Um, and so what we created was just a marketplace. It was flat. It was simple. It was XYZ consumer wants to engage with XYZ athlete, right? We created the platform for those transactions to take place, and it was so unsophisticated. I mean, it was, it was, it was built on a, a platform called Magento, which is purely transaction processing, right? Which, by the way... Uh just to be sympathetic, if people wanted to reach a celebrity, they had to figure out who their agent of course, was. It was impossible. It was impossible. Right? It was yeah. impossible because you had to know who the agent was. Then you had to convince the agent that you could talk to him. Right. And if you are Joe, it was one number. If you were Joe from JP Morgan, it was 10x that number. So right. there was no equity. There was no supply and demand in the, uh, in, in the marketplace. So we, we wanted to create that. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of it also, by the way, just from an agent standpoint, an agent has to sit and wait. Right? If you're my agent, you have to sit and wait for an inbound before... I would do that. So there's op- well, there's, but yeah, there's yeah. opportunity missed, right? Yeah, right, right. Because there's, there's a huge ecosystem that may want to engage, yeah. but they have to find you. So you, ha- you can't go find them. You, right. They have to come find you. And so we, tr- we tried to flip that problem around. And as an agent, how much money would I make if you go to lunch with well, exactly. somebody? Yeah. Exactly. If I go to lunch for 500 bucks, yeah. what are you going to make? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, or is it even worth taking it? Right. So is it, is it worth you doing that, that business? And the answer Voice was no. Mail. So we tried, to auto- <laughs> we tried to automate it, right? Yeah. We tried to make it uh, less touchable. Um, and that was Thuzio 1.0, mm-hmm. which was basically a transaction processing platform. But what we realized pretty quickly was that if you do that, if you have Michael Strahan come to lunch or go to a, a birthday party or a bar mitzvah or whatever it is, it's a one-off, right? Mm. Tell me how many one-off businesses are successful in the world. Yeah. Not very many. Right. So we had to figure out a way to make re- revenue recurring. Mm. And it happened kind of organically because a lot of our clients became corporate America, right? They would say, all right, we're having a lunch on on the 5th of, the, of, of, of this month, and then we're having one on the 12th of this month, and we're having four more next month, and we're doing a conference, you know, three months from now. We're doing these other events. So they became recurring clients, uh, but they demanded something a little bit different, mm-hmm. which forced us as a business to pivot once again um, and finally hire a CTO as opposed to outsourcing to Bulgaria and having stand-ups at 2 o'clock in the morning, that type of thing. That and doesn't happen. <laughs> so so as, we, as we started to evolve the company and focus less on the supply side and more on the demand side, li- basically listening to our clients, what they, wa- what they wanted, uh, the, it started to take shape. And then the influencer world started to um, come in more into focus. And so it wasn't just athletes. Mm-hmm. It was entertainers. It was musicians. It was celebrity chefs. Um, it, was, it was local influencers. Um, and we started to build those profiles one by one, really by the thousands by thousands, uh, until Julius came into existence. Um, along the way, 
we got a little bit distracted um, because Ernst & Young wanted to do an event uh, around the Super Bowl as a po and instead of being the title sponsor to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So instead of spending $1.8 or $2 million to put their name on, on, on the Super Bowl in Giant Stadium, which, by the way, was a terrible Super Bowl. That was the Seahawks when they destroyed the Broncos. Oh, yeah. um, they decided to do five events in their offices in Times Square. And they asked us to find a talent. Really? So we've booked Joe Montana and Phil Sims uh, and Dan Marino and Wayne Corbett and I did one internal. Brandon Jacobs did one because um, uh, it was a local, a local flair. And instead of servicing 20 people in a box at a horrible Super Bowl, they serviced about 1,000 over five days in their offices with CTOs and CMOs and, and those who they wanted to get to come to their offices, they can never get to come to their office. Mm -hmm. And we kind of said, this is a business, right? And so we created the Thusio Executive Club, which has become a networking event with the most interesting business events uh, of the year in five markets, New York, Philly, Chicago, San Francisco, and LA. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, this little Thusio 1.0 platform that was simply a marketplace had, had pivoted a few times and turned into two companies. Where we sit currently is we've recently divided, right? Because the story got complicated. What do you do? Well, we do SaaS uh, uh, searching for influencers and we throw events mm -hmm. with Lawrence Taylor and, 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 uh, and Steve Buscemi and, and all these other different people in different verticals. Um, and so we just recently split our company um, where, uh, oh, so they stand alone. So our story is not complicated and we're raising individually. Uh, for both of them. So that, that's where we sit right now as Thusio, which is both Julius Works and Thusio Executive Club. I think that's brilliant. And, and to be able to, uh, I wonder, it, 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 can small businesses, is this an, an avenue that's available to oh, them? Oh, yeah, that's, this is, this, that's one of the great avenues mm -hmm. uh, for influencer marketing platforms like mm -hmm. Julius. Uh, it, it seems as if, if you want to advertise, you, you have to be a huge company. You have to have an enormous budget. But in reality, there are influencers for every budget, and a lot of them are local. Right. Guys who have never, who didn't leave their local environment but are so well-known locally that they're probably more powerful than the Russell Wilsons of the world, right. if you know what I mean, mm -hmm. and infinitely cheaper. Uh, but contacting those folks is difficult. Mm -hmm. Julius allows that transaction or that contact to happen seamlessly. And it's, and, it's, and it's much harder, it's much easier than the process that currently exists. And so uh, I remember some of the early conferences that we would go to when we would talk about our thesis, uh, the, the questions were, well, who's your, who's your marketplace, right? Who is your client? I said, it's everybody, right? We, we, like, to, we like to promote. We're, we go from bakers, mm -hmm. people who make bread, to bankers, those who are financial advisors, mm -hmm. because everybody needs an influencer uh, at some point. Um, it's just finding the right one, and that's what we helped uh, enable. Could you help me get your brother? <laughs> yeah, here's his number, 813. That's good. It's, uh, um, what, what do you think the value is for small businesses to use a platform like this and yeah. get a celebrity? Is it like, or a, you know, an influencer, rather? Yeah. Is it do a quick iPhone commercial, uh, name our company on the couch, and send it to well, us? It could, we'll be, it could be as simple as that, but it's not. Um, you just did a video, right? Mm -hmm. And it was fun. It was engaging. It was you, like, driving, going <laughs> to the airport. They made me do it. You had a sign yeah. with the Camry for $17,999. Well, that was right? next to your sign. <laughs> but you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Right? If, if people who know you and people in this room, if they know you, mm -hmm. and you showed them that Camry sign, and they say, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I know Gordy. Oh, I, I trust him. Right? right? He seems like a cool guy. He has a big dealership. He's engaged with, with Toyota. I, I, you know, I'm going to go check out a Camry. Uh -huh. They trust you. Right. Right? What influencers provide for any level of, of, of business, whether it's that baker or, the, or a banker or, or a major uh, Fortune 100 company, is an authentic level of trust. That, and and that's, that's hard to find when you're only looking for the A-list, right? It's right. like, oh, I can get Beyonce to do this for me. But is, is, is Beyonce organic to your product or to your cause or to your campaign or whatever it is? The answer is probably no, mm -hmm. even though her, her agent will tell you if she is. Right. Um, but what if you could find the perfect, like the perfect influencer 
for whatever your campaign or product is. Right. That's, those are the data points that Julius maps and uh, provides to our clients so that you, so you don't make mistakes. Um, for instance, we had one, and I think I told you this story. We had an, an example, uh, a desperate story of a company coming to us because they needed an influencer for an alcohol brand, a small alcohol brand. And the one that they had walked down this path with, with an agent, uh, didn't tell them that, they're, that the, the influencer they were going to use was a, re was a recovering alcoholic. Ah. And so <laughs> it, it, was it was obviously inorganic. And so those are the type of things that should be identified. Number one, first thing, give me the authentic talent or give us a list of authentic talent and then let us pick based on pricing or other uh, demographic factors that you're, that you're interested in. Expect a call from me then. Hey, there you go. <laughs> you know, I was thinking of, um, I, I read some of your books, by the way. The children's books were easier. But, oh, the uh, picture books? Yeah. Just, just your level? Yeah, you and your brother growing up. But, uh, um, you, Actually, you undercut me, man. We had 12 but, children's books. Did I? Oh, my, my, my information we had, we had We had three, three picture books and nine <laughs> chapter books. Yeah, they were fun. They were, it, we, we enjoyed that. It was one of the great um, endeavors that me and my brother have done because we inadvertently found a niche. Mm -hmm. um, boys, people have boys out there, don't like to read. Um, but boys like to read about sports. Sure. And so... Um, the, the, the side little secret that I guess we can tell now because we stopped, we stopped doing the books, um, they're all about my mom, mm -hmm. right? So who buys books? Moms. Mm -hmm. So it was books about boys for boys, but about moms. Pretty clever. Yeah, it was kind of by accident, but yeah. um, it worked. And yeah. I, to this day, I get comments from moms who say, my boys would not read, but they read now because they loved reading your books. That's and so, awesome. It was just a, it was a thing that was opportunistic for us. We had just had our second kids each. My, my brother had a second girl. I had my second boy. Um, we got asked to do a book, and we said, okay, this sounds like fun. It'll be a great way to pass down our stories to our kids. Yeah. And it ended up lasting for 12 years. So it was, it was awesome. fantastic. Well, I think it was your autobiography. I did read that, too, mm -hmm. by the way. And uh, other than a fascinating read and very well written, um, I wanted to talk about, you mentioned the counterintuitive nature of a uh, what it's like to be a running back yeah. when you have linemen coming at you <laughs> and you're supposed to accelerate towards yeah, them, yeah. right? That's uh, physics, man, right? That's physics, right? Who thought physics was a part of football? I guess everybody did, really. That's, uh, most people would have the opposite. Yeah. Uh, I would scream like Run away. Nancy Kerrigan, <laughs> why, why? You know, give up the ball. But um, uh, anyways, uh, what, do you apply that, uh, that the instinct to business? Do you see opportunities to run towards problems like that? Is that I, your instinct? I, I am very, very opportunistic. When I mm -hmm. see opportunity, I'll jump at it. Yeah. Um, because if I don't, someone else will. Mm -hmm. um, to just go back to your story, what he's, what he's talking about with physics, I was a little runner. I was, you know, 205 pounds at max as an NFL player. And we all know the, 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 the basic physics that force equals mass times acceleration. Mm -hmm. Well, I could never win on force, right? So when someone come in, comes to tackle me, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's, it's forces coming together, right? His force versus mine. And usually these linebackers are 50 pounds, 40 pounds heavier than me. Right. So how do, I, how do I match his force so that I don't fall over? Basically, how do I make contact and stay on my feet? Mm -hmm. right? So the only way to do it, because I'm not big enough, is to accelerate. So I would accelerate into contact just to stabilize the force. And then once I gathered myself, I could keep going. And so it's, it's, it does, it is counterintuitive, mm -hmm. but it worked, right? Yeah. And, and it worked for a lot of years for me uh, in the National Football League. That, that instinct to run towards a problem and accelerate and pivoting as a, as a running back, mm -hmm. does that make you a difficult business partner? Or? No, I mean, I, th I, think it's, it's, I think it's a metaphor for business. Yeah. Right? It's what you do. Yeah. I mean, as I, as I told you the story of how Thusio was formed, mm -hmm. I, it was running towards the problem, right? What are, what are myself and my, my peers who have retired from the game, what are our problems? Right. right? What, 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 are we, what are we missing? What, what can't we solve? And it was how to engage with our communities. Mm -hmm. um, Thusio was born because we ran to the problem. Um, and obviously we've had to pivot because nobody starts with the right idea. Mm -hmm. You got to find the right idea. And uh, I think a big part of our success is that um, we found the right idea, but also had the right partners slash investors. We didn't go VC. 
We didn't go private equity, so we weren't forced to profitability. It was a lot of family offices and strategic investors mm -hmm. who understood what we were trying to accomplish and stayed with us and are still with us uh, as, we're, as we're pivoting into what we hope is our, is our, is our final push uh, towards, uh, towards success. When, when you were uh, at the peak of your career in the NFL, what was that like? Was everybody trying to get you to go to lunch with them and Not, stuff Well, like that, no, or? when I was at the peak of my career, well, my, my career was interesting, Gordy. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, was, I, I was almost replaced five times. <laughs> and, what? And, yeah. So I was drafted in 97. Um, a couple years later, um, we brought in uh, uh, a kid, uh, I forget for, from what school he was, uh, Indiana State or some, something, not, like somewhere in Indiana, called, his name was Sean Bennett. Then we brought in Joe Montgomery from Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Then we brought in uh, Gary Brown, who was a free agent from the Houston Texans. Uh, then we brought in, then we drafted Ron Dane in the first round. And so all of these people were coming to replace me. Oh. Um, so I had to hang on, right? So basically seven years, I hung on. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last three, I exploded. Yeah, so did. interesting stat. I had 10,449 yards in my career. More than half came in my last three years. That is crazy. So 5,000 plus yards came in my last three years. So football, football is a game of attrition and who can, who can persevere. Mm -hmm. um, I was just able to persevere uh, until, I, until, I, until I made it, right? That whole fake it till you make it thing. That's extraordinary, though. That's extraordinary. And you're obviously still fit today, too. So do you, do you, do you adjust your workout regimen? To, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, football, has, football put a lot of excess, unnecessary weight yeah. on my body. Mm -hmm. um, it looked good, yeah. but it was it was it was it, it didn't make me feel good when I was, when I didn't need it for cushioning. Um, and so when I started running, I ended up losing about 30 pounds, mm -hmm. uh, and I feel great. I'm actually at a natural weight. My brother, um, who played 16 years, gained maybe five pounds from the time he graduated high school. From the time I graduated high school, I gained probably 35 pounds, and so I came back towards our mean, and. So I actually could be Rondé sitting here because we look a lot alike right I'm, now. I'm a little <laughs> nervous about that, but uh, yeah, that's, that's probably it. I had, uh, I had a handful of gummy bears and a scotch for dinner last night. Nice. What did, uh, what did you have? Nice. Do you eat good? I had, a, uh, I, had a, I had a glass of wine and leftover pasta from Godfather uh, in, in New Jersey. That's, well, no, but I don't eat well. You don't eat well? No. You know why I run? Why? So I can drink and eat. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to try that. <laughs> if it's midnight, I reach for the string cheese. What do you reach it's for? It's the same thing. Yeah, really? Uh, seriously. I, I, got that in common. I love the string oh, cheese. Yeah. String cheese. The, the other string night, cheese we had, a, we had a party the other night, and I, I don't know, I <laughs> fell asleep on the couch. We'll call it falling asleep on the couch. <laughs> I woke up starving. I woke up starving at midnight. My wife, the next day, she goes, did you have dino nuggets? String cheese and Ritz crackers in bed last night. <laughs> it's like it was an empty plate. I, I mean, I guess so. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> you know right. what I'm talking about with those Dino Nuggets. I got a quick question for you. Virginia is for lovers. Yes. New York is for crazy people. All right. All right. I like that. I like that. I thought of that while I was having string cheese last night. <laughs> all right. I got. Oh. Thomas Jefferson, I did have a question about that. Yeah, Obviously, it's our bicentennial coming up. The man, he's, you know, a big part of the UVA environment yeah. there and everything. And uh, I wondered what your opinion was about him because uh, he's such a big deal at UVA. Yeah. In today's tech world, what do you think that guy would be like? Would he be on Shark Tank or something? Yeah, of course or? he would. He was an innovator. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's complicated. Yeah. He is in a lot of ways as a slave owner, as a... Uh, 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 someone who had uh, children that we now know with, with, right. with, with his slaves, uh, but also was one of the great pioneers of our country mm -hmm. um, and well-traveled around the world uh, and would do things to get things accomplished, uh, even if they were viewed a little bit untoward. Yeah. Uh, there's a story that floats around UVA. I don't know how true it is, but it's the urban legend of UVA, is that at the time when he was building the University of Virginia, uh, the capitals, you know, the big pillars, but the capitals, things on top are called capitals. It was, they were, he wanted them from Italy, but at the time it was 100% tariff. Mm -hmm. And so instead of buying them and shipping them with the 100% tariff, he would buy them, box them up, label it school supplies, 
and send it to the University of Virginia. Oh and so goodness. that's how a lot of those capitals got sent to the University of Virginia. Really? Um, so he, he's complicated, but, but amazing. Yeah. Um, and as a graduate of the University of Virginia, we hold him in high reverence. Um, mm -hmm. there is, there's a few things that he wants to be known, wanted to be known for, and it's on his epithet. Um, the author of the Declaration of Independence, the Virginia Statute of Religious Freedom, mm -hmm. and founder of the University of Virginia. Doesn't mention president, doesn't mention ambassador, doesn't mention any of those things. Good point. Those are what he wanted. And so we, we hold him in high esteem, uh, despite some of his flaws, which yeah. I think happens in a lot of places uh, in, in the, the world. In the times he was in. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I think even now we do that. Sure. He would be amazing on Shark Tank. You would be too, actually. Is that something you'd want to do? I wouldn't want to give people money. Oh, yeah. That's, a hard <laughs> that's why I'm not on Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't, you know the, don't you know the mantra? Other people's money, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, I wanted to plug something about Julius, though, and explore that one okay. last time with you. Um, are you marketing to marketers? Like, how do we get the word out that this is available? Yeah. So the Thusio Executive Club is easy to market to. Yeah. Do you entertain? Yes. Do your guests like interesting, compelling people, athletes, uh, business leaders, celebrity chefs, etc.? Yes, then you're for us. We can market that anywhere. We can do it on Facebook. We can do it on other social media. We can do it uh, via direct mail or knocking on your door. Um, Julius is a little bit diff different. I won't say more difficult, but um, the conversion is difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, marketing, the marketing industry is set in its way. Right? It's those who have done things a certain way for years upon years upon years. And they pick up the phone, they call their buddy and say, I'm looking to do this. Um, how can I find this guy? Um, or how can I find uh, this influencer? And what we present is, is unique and, and simpler, but until you do it, you don't, you don't believe it. And so our challenge isn't the technology being complicated, our challenge is converting those who know that they need it but are reluctant to, to use it. Mm -hmm. um, but once we do, we know that it, it, it works. Uh, yeah. And so uh, it's, it's, it's not like we go out and we just blast it out there. Well, well, you know, come to Julius. Julius will make your job easier. We actually have to touch our clients. Right? We have to show them we'll put you through a demo. Let's, let's go through a demo and we'll show you how easy this is. And so as, as, as much as it is a tech company, which obviously simplifies and allows you to scale, we are still touching a lot of people um, individually with our employees. That, that, as much as it is about tech, it is also about people. And I think the world can't forget that as we start exploding into this tech world, it, it will always be about people. On the other side, it's a person, not just another machine. Gotcha. So it's kind of the ideal thing for ad agencies, even small businesses, other than in large businesses like Coca-Cola. Yeah. It's available to everybody. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. I mean, anyone can do it. Okay. Um, we're not trying to upset the, the marketing world, um, mm -hmm. but if it does upset the marketing world, that's fine. Yeah. Um, our clients are individuals. They are uh, advertisers. They are brands directly. Yeah. Um, and so there is some danger in that, but it's not one that we're afraid of. What about uh, Culture City? Could you reveal your involvement? Or yeah, that? Culture City is interesting, yeah. uh, my connection to them. It, it actually came through my company. Really? So Julian reached out. He was looking for an influencer um, who could come down. This is when Culture's, uh, Culture Ball, their first uh, big event for Culture City, happened. He reached out to the Enthusio, which is now Julius, and said, I'm looking for an influencer. And our, our company sent them me. Mm -hmm. um, and I had just had... a. a a conversation with my best friend, uh, Chris, who I think is in the audience here somewhere, over there, whose son, uh, Mason, was just diagnosed with autism. And so it was almost serendipity, but it was, it was, it was timing. It, it happened for a reason. Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks later, Julian reached out. We had a conversation. We talked about um, um, you know, his, his uh, world in autism with his son, uh, Abram. I talked about how I wanted so badly to help Chris, but I had no, I don't know how, I didn't know what to do, right? right? I, in, in other things in, in my life when Chris or my brother or whoever I've had, I, I, I know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Um, and so I took the shot and came down and hosted the event at Culture City for, for Culture Ball. And I was shocked and awed by this community, mm -hmm. right? Autism exists everywhere, but this community in Birmingham, Alabama has truly embraced it. 
um, and made it something that has changed the lives of a lot of kids in this area, including the Birmingham Zoo um, and other sensory-inclusive uh, establishments that, have, have, that, have, that recognize that kids who have uh, autistic issues mm-hmm. can't just walk into a restaurant. They can't just walk into the zoo. Can't just walk into the, a movie theater. They, 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 there has to be certain provisions. And now it's expanded to where we're doing things uh, in sports arenas. And I'm sure Julian told you this in his presentation with the Cleveland Cavaliers and, uh, and their arena being the first sensory inclusive arena uh, in the world. So kids who have autism or PTSD can now go watch a game. And if they get overwhelmed or they, they, get, they, get, they, they feel like they, they're... Uh, 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 the world is caving in on them, there's a place for them to go, a sensory room. There's sensory bags that have fiddle toys um, and, and earmuffs and things that dampen uh, some of that sensation so that, so that everybody who loves sports can actually go watch sports even if they have sensory issues. Uh, oh, and so great. my wife has gotten heavily involved. Uh, she's yeah. in an executive level now with, the, with, uh, with Culture City and we're expanding. We're doing, we want to do every arena in the world uh, to have sensory... Um, uh, inclusive practices and policies. That's fantastic. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think I think you're uniquely qualified uh, to answer this question for us because there's a lot of people in this uh, in this place that obviously in the tech world and um, a lot of innovators, mm-hmm. a lot of designers and engineers and things like that. What do you think is the is the direction that people should be considering when providing solutions to professional sports? Yeah. Is it polygons and Pokemons and stuff like that, or you know? um, it's 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 analytics, like understanding data. Yeah. Uh, and you you see it, right? You see it with Statcast and Major League Baseball. You see it with all these things that uh, you know these these the trackings tracking of athletes via GPS as they train, so that we so we know uh, the wear and tear that they're putting on these, their bodies. You know things that you know we never had, and, and I would have loved to because it could have got me out of practice some days, but it never it never existed. We we are analyzing data at a breakneck speed, and so being able to do that cohesively is I think the next stage or next big stage in sports, right? We're already seeing this in the world. I remember uh, being on the board of managers at the, at the University of Virginia and Teresa Sullivan, our president, wanted to start a, a, a new major um, in big data, understanding big data, because we all see it, it comes in uh, mm-hmm. from everywhere, but what does it mean? Um, the same thing is happening in sports. What does all of this data mean? Can we prevent concussions? Can we prevent uh, wear issues on joints and, and ligaments? Is there a certain amount of time that you should be uh, practicing or resting with, with sleep and, and, and hydration and everything else? Um, I think we, the answers are, are there. They're probably right in front of us. We just we can't compile it effectively enough and spit it back out. So if, if you can find that, right? If you can find that secret sauce, that elixir, elixir um, for maximizing efficiency for athletes, uh, every team will buy it because mm-hmm. it's what they're looking for. Um, and it solves their question that lingers, especially in a game like football that is, that is intense and physical um, and has an existential problem because parents don't want their kids putting themselves in long-term danger, mm-hmm. right? I always, I always say this when I get asked a question about football um, and, and, its, and its longevity. If there ever comes out a percentage. It doesn't matter what that percentage is. It could be 5%, it could be 35%, it could be 2%. That X percent of former NFL players are die unnaturally before whatever number of year. How many moms and dads are gonna let their kids play football? Yeah. Because it obviously is a trickle down, right? Because right. that percent will also apply to college, and that percent, maybe to a lesser extent, will also apply to high school. And so it doesn't feel like it's an existential problem, but it actually is. Some opportunities out there, everybody. As you can see, uh, um, I'm having a man crush on this guy. I mean, <laughs> the guy, he's super smart. He's, he's talented. What do you want to say? He's good looking. Uh, you make me want to shave my head. Well, is what, what I really want to do. You did that in a Geico commercial, didn't you? I did. You, you I shaved did. the guy's head. It was for real, right? That was for real. Yeah, the guy with the, with the big, you know, uh, Fro. fro, I'm getting a not little the bit black of guy, fro. the white, the white yeah. fro. Yeah. I felt bad for him. 
I really did. Uh, well, his wife actually like wrote me on Instagram a few. A few she was uh, mad. No, she was actually happy. She's like, I'm glad you did that because his hair was getting out of control. <laughs> well, uh, I got a little ask, a little question for you because my wife recently asked me to get a haircut for this event. But uh, <laughs> oh, nice. I would, I would be honored if you would do the Geico thing on me. Is that right? You think you could do that? <laughs> we we got to Facebook Live for this. It's probably mm. a good opportunity for social. Oh, you're brave. Uh, you yeah, know, really? I'll do anything for a joke. I'm a car dealer. Uh, let's see. Do I want to go? Let me call way? you in like a quarterback. 44, right. 20, hut, hut. Oh, yeah. I'm just like the Geico commercial. I got Tiki Barber is my barber. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I only feel a little bit bad. <laughs> do you want me to do yours? Come on. <laughs> Maybe it's a good time for some. <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs> I actually didn't mess it up too bad. Oh, that's you're welcome. You, you to. can that's like. You're good. I was just about to get your haircut, so uh, I'm gonna be like this. What an awesome guy. Anybody got questions out there? Go ahead. Right there. I'll hear you. So where did my company's na company names come from? So Thusio was the hardest one um, because we wanted to do something that it started in sports, just to clarify. It was mostly athletes, really 95, 99% athletes. And so we thought things like engage with a pro or play with a pro or pro something. But then we realized that there were more verticals than just athletes, right? It was, it was sports and culinary and everything, and everything else. Uh, which led us to think about what, what binds them all. And it's the fans who have enthusiasm. And so enthusio is just a derivative, a made-up word uh, from enthusiast. Like Camry. It's a yeah. made-up word. Is it? Yeah. What's, what, it, what's it come sorry. from, though? I have no idea. It's a made-up word. <laughs> See? Make up the story, man. Right. Yeah, I should. I will work on that. Um, and, then, and then Julius was just an extension. We wanted something that felt powerful and... Um, um, inclusive of, of creating a, a SaaS product uh, that, was, that was unique and was not used in any other of the influencer marketing world uh, profiles. So Julius makes sense. Thusio was made up. Go ahead. Hold on. Was my brother? No, my brother just wanted to be cool. <laughs> my brother had, I think, my brother finished about 30th in our class. He was always the cool one. I mean, he was the one that was staying out late at night, not getting in trouble, but just staying out late at night, um, doing what he had to do to be good, whereas I wanted to be great as a student. He, but as an athlete, he was obviously the better athlete. Uh, he was a hurdler, which takes a lot more coordination. Uh, he actually won a Super Bowl in the, in the NFL. Um, he played 16 or six more years than I did, which really means he had six more years of game checks than I did. Um, so we, we, we kind of balance each other out in our, um, in our lives as we've, as we've become uh, professionals and adults. Who else? Okay, so I just want to know, did uh, Sloss Tech reach out to you through Thuzio? Did Sloss? No, Sloss Tech has not, but they should. <laughs> Using should. it next year. You're looking for tech-minded, interesting folks? LeBron James. We will find them. <laughs> okay, LeBron. How much would he be for lunch? I, can you imagine? I can't. He wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it either. No, he wouldn't do it. Oh, he wouldn't. He wouldn't yeah. do it. Money's no option. When we first started, this is just an interesting story. So when we first started, and again, it, this was our 1.0 business. It was literally go to a pl platform, look at a list of prices for any athlete, um, and click buy, right? We wanted to onboard Ronaldo. Um, wow. And we, we said, look, we will have you go to lunch 200 paces from your apartment or how, wherever, wherever yeah. you live, and how much will it cost? And we we're like, a million dollars? You know, two million dollars? He wouldn't do it. He how, wouldn't do it. Some guy, this, is, this, was, this was the early st uh, stage of our business. Yeah. Some, some people just didn't want to do it. And so as we realized that we couldn't get everybody, because the original idea was, got to get everybody, right? Everybody will want to do this. It's easy. Mm -hmm. Just go downstairs and have lunch. So, I mean, someone else is paying for it, and they're paying you to go, right? Why not? 
Um, but we realized that that couldn't happen. So what we, we had to do was create the idea of the alternative, right? Mm -hmm. So in, 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 a, in a consumer's mind, I really want to have dinner or I want to have lunch with um, a, a Tiki Barber, just use me as an example. Mm -hmm. Well, what if Tiki can't come, but what if we can give you the alternative who played with Tiki or, and, and is cheaper or... Send your brother. Well, my brother, whoever. <laughs> so the, the, idea, the idea of the alternative was one of the early things that, that helped us grow the company to the way that, way that it is now. Fascinating. So, quick question. Yeah. UVA, right here. Wahoo! Wah. UVA yeah. graduate, does that, and you were the astute student, was there a list back when you were there of things that you had to accomplish? Like, what, when now, I was in school? What, now what did I want to like, accomplish? Well, now it's like the uh, 117 things was 2017. Yeah, I hear you. Where they had to I do I just wanted to things. finish Doom when I was in college. <laughs> but like they did things like, I know there was the streaking from one place oh, to you mean the, Oh, you mean the UVA thing? Yeah, well, so that UVA list. I wanted to be in a secret society, which I got into one or two. You can be in mine. Or a couple. Uh, the Rotunda Burning Society, which we just drank. It was awesome. Out of a fire hat. <laughs> it's why I can't drink Jim Bean to this day. Uh, the initiation was a handful of M&Ms, a fire hat full of bourbon. Uh, Sounds like my dinner. Yeah, finish it. Uh, I love whiskey, but not Jim Beam uh, because of that. Um, streaking the lawn was one, which they've, they've made it harder now because they put up the uh, ropes or the chains. And so if it's in the middle of the night, for those who don't know the, 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 uh, the history behind this, the University of Virginia has a, a rotunda, and in the, in, the, in the middle of it is the lawn which we call the lawn. There are lawn rooms on either side of, of the lawn, and students live there. The only problem is there's no bathroom. And so to shower or go to the bathroom or do whatever, you have to go down around the bend, go around to the range side, um, and take a shower. Well, back in the day, at some point, people used to steal those towels. And so the only way to get back to your room was to streak the lawn. And so it became a tradition at the University of Virginia. At some point, you got Stripped down didn't, to nothing and streaked the lawn. So, of course, I streaked the lawn. <laughs> that was her question. had to. <laughs> Anymore? But hey, I didn't have a list. I hey, just wanted, I wanted to finish, you know. I, I understood the value of my degree. I understood that uh, the, the principles that were taught there, the honor code on my honor as a student, I've neither given nor received aid on this exam or a project or whatever it may be, meant something to future employees. Um, and also, or employers, and, and also that the network that I was involved in, this had nothing to do with football or sports, but the network that I was becoming a part of by graduating from, from that university was going to be one of the most valuable things of, of my life, uh, and it has been. Here. Oh, Where are you at? That was really loud. Oh, there you go. Hey. Um, how do you see brands measuring the success of influencer campaigns? It's one of the greatest, greatest questions uh, in advertising. And I was having this conversation with Bly, I right? I was having this conversation with Bly as we were driving over from Atlanta. If you see a billboard on the side of the road and it's something that catches your eye and, and maybe you click on the website or maybe you don't, how does a brand ever know, right? And, uh, or, or if you're on Facebook or Instagram and you're sliding through uh, all of these uh, things, some of them are sponsored, uh, and, you, and, you, and you click on it, how does a brand know? Well, that's, that's the answer. Brands now know uh, because of social media um, and how things are, are packaged and presented after, after, the, after they're seen, um, where they're getting their most impact. So with us, uh, creating the tools um, downstream, so after a, a, a marketer finds a, 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 a talent via Julius, uh, making sure that it's documented uh, socially or in a measurable way is the only thing that we can do to date. Um, we, we hope that it, it gets easier and somebody, again, this is, this, is a, this is a product. This is the product, to be honest with you, that hasn't been created. Uh, advertisers to date, they need, they need events, right? They need live events because they know people will sit down. It's why the NFL is a $14 billion business because they know that all of us are going to sit our asses in front of a television and watch. Right? Even if we skip through some of the commercials, we're going to see a lot of them. That's why you send you know, millions of dollars on Super Bowl ads, because we absolutely know that people are going to sit and watch a commercial. And you can, you can, you can measure the return. 
it's, and, 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 and know that it was seen. Um, network television is, not, is having that issue. Right. They don't know that things are going to be seen anymore. Right. Um, uh, and, NFL will probably have an app, you just watch it there. Well, I, well they're, they're trying to go that way. Yeah. That's, why, that's why NFL is on Twitter. Right. As crazy as that sounds. Um, and they're doing deals with, with other social platforms because that they know that people are disconnecting um, uh, from, from television. So being able to measure um, in ads is the greatest question that once it's solved, it's either going to kill a lot of businesses um, or it's going to make advertisers pile money into certain businesses that do it right. Go ahead, all the way back there. Yeah. And more in the gaming space. I love it. I love it. Did you see the New York Times article this morning? No, there's one about gaming, how it's the next platform for advertisers to paste things on. Uh, one of the big things, so the actual the question that was just asked is very much answered in the gaming space, at least preceding my question. Yeah. Um, a lot of brands and a lot of vendors are going in affiliate routes, so they'll standardize and play contract with a broadcaster or a YouTuber yes. or somebody like that, and that'll come with like a built-in referral system, mm -hmm. um, and then they'll do sponsored broadcasts, so they'll brought, like sponsor an entire six-hour block of an influencer's broadcast, um, provide social media support of an influencer that has 600,000 to a million for Twitter's social footprint, and Agreed. a couple million for, for Twitch or YouTube gaming, whichever you prefer. Yep. And then they can attribute that directly to working with the company that I work now. One of our biggest opportunities is when we go to brands who aren't familiar with influencer marketing or don't have um, an influencer specialist that works with them. And that's the big challenge, by the way. A lot of, you come with a solution. They don't know how to process the solution or, or how, to, how to deal with what you're offering them. And it's, and it's frustrating. It's almost like you, you need to create the job inside the yep. person you're selling to. <laughs> or influencer marketing yes. versus the investment into traditional digital media marketing. Of course. And it's a lot simpler when you can sit down and have a conversation, but getting to that conversation is super difficult. Well, I, th I think it's a generational thing um, because as this, not mine because I think I'm a little bit older, but the generation behind me um, that, that came up understanding social and, um, and, and engaging via smartphones and things of that nature, once they get into the workforce, they'll rise quickly to those positions that need to be uh, 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 there to engage with what we're talking about. Um, and it, the problem is it's, it's waiting for it. It's like, because you, you're already there on the supply side, meaning us supplying uh, uh, this information and these opportunities and these products, we're there already. But the demand side's not ready for it in, in a lot of cases. And it gets frustrating and it creates a war, not a war, but a, it creates a, a, a game of attrition. Right? Who can hang on long enough uh, and be capitalized well enough and not you know, churn uh, you know, too much that, that when, when demand is ready for it, you can capitalize on it. It, it, is, it is the issue with the industry um, because it, there's influencer marketing platforms everywhere, uh, and as they should be, because there's an influencer every, there's influencers in this room. Uh, you may not realize it, but you are. Uh, you're, you're a referred and trusted source for somebody. Um, and so finding a way to capitalize that, capitalize on that, is the challenge that we, that we me and you, our companies are figuring out, but waiting for the demand side to catch up to. Um, the, the only thing with, with, with some of the celebrity influencers, and we saw this with PewDiePie, right, um, who was an amazing uh, talent as far as capturing eyes. But then he started putting out some untoward things on the side. And just by association, the brands that were associated with him were associated with his uh, ill-advised content. And so it, it, the first diversification of the pie, so don't put it all in one. Diversification of the pie is the most important thing that brands and advertisers can do. And, and, you, and you do that by seeing lists of influencers, not one, right? The agent will give you one. This guy's gonna cost $5 million, He'll do X, Y, Z, this many social posts, this many events, et cetera, but it's one. And if, if that one falls, the whole thing falls. But if one out of 20 fall, it's less of an impact on the negative, on the downside. Something I've been excited to see is 
on the Wheaties box. Yeah. Because, and what's cool in my industry is it's a lot less, oh, this guy is a PewDiePie, let's dump everything into him because there's a risk to that because they have opinions that may not necessarily align with the brand. And something that I like about Julius Works and about your platform is it seems very centric on finding the appropriate personality that is conducive to representing your brand and yeah. finding people that are brand-friendly influencers versus large audiences filled with eyeballs who, so I give you my product, you hate it, you have a lot of opinions, <laughs> you don't have the maturity to not temper that opinion that you have. So yes. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Fellas, I'm sorry to interrupt, but all these guys are giving me the finger. <laughs> they, did, they didn't give me the, uh, the hook. It's nothing to... new. They always give me the finger, but I have to go finish shaving my head. Uh, I, I just, uh, we're over our time, and I know everyone wants lunch. I could sit on the couch all day with this man, and uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to interview him, and I know we all thank Tiki for coming to our well, I uh, thank conference. You. Uh, that was great. And, of course, uh, Gordy as well. I will say... <laughs> For, for, uh, I speak for myself and every other guy who can't grow a full head of hair like Gordy. <laughs> that stunt was infuriating. Uh, yeah, it was really frustrating to watch. <laughs> but either way, thank you guys so much. Thank of course. You. Hey, uh, it's lunchtime, so you can go get food. Here's the deal. It's at the Lad Building, which is right across from McWayne Center. Uh, it's kind of right there. Sponsored by Zoe's and Lad Real Estate. Go enjoy, but you've got to be back in your seat by 1.15. Back here, 1.15. Thanks.